everyone knows that pride is a bad thing. Right? Maybe growing up, we remember that pride is one of the seven deadly sins, one of the capital sins, and maybe we even might realize or remember and just intuit that when the church says that all other sins flow from the sin of pride. So it's kind of like the peak of all sins, if you will. It was the first sin. And I think if we took an informal survey even right now, and I asked you to raise your hand if you struggle with pride, I think just about everybody would, would raise their hand and say, yeah, like, like I, I, I struggle with pride some. I guess if you didn't raise your hand, you'd really have a problem, right, with pride. But like, even with that, Deep down, I don't think we realize how proud we really are. And that's the real problem with pride. It's the hidden component of it. It's that it's difficult to detect. And so what happens is we, we just end up sitting in it. We, we live in that spot. And we don't give attention to it. And because of that, then our soul weakens. Our relationship with God suffers and our relationship with, with one another suffers, even those in our family, when we live in that spot of unintended pride, the hidden components of it. And that's because God hates pride. The Bible's very clear throughout the, throughout the scriptures to say, the letter of James says, God opposes the proud. Proverbs chapter 16 says, God opposes and detests all proud of heart. Because God just doesn't have room there. He can't, it's not the way he operates. Even our first reading from St. or our second reading from St. Paul says, says, he brings to the point that God operates a different way. It says that God chose the weak of the world to shame the strong. And God chose the lowly and despised of the world, those who count for nothing, to reduce to nothing those who are something. You're like, well, well, that's odd, that's bizarre. Why, like, what is that? What is, why? The next verse, Paul gives the reason. He says, so that no human being might boast before God. And we're like, well, who, like, who would boast before God? That's a silly thing to do. But I think we boast before God all the time. I boast before God all the time. Boasting, for, boasting before God comes off as like me knowing better than God me not giving God prime and place in my life, having other things encroach upon him and worshiping him on Sunday. That's, that's a form of boasting before God, where at first we say like, oh, I don't boast before God. But me thinking that I know the ways better than God does. That's living in a spot of like hidden pride in our lives. And so with that, there's a lot of ways to attack pride. I just want to look at the Beatitudes of which we heard, specifically just the first Beatitude, as we heard eight of them, just the first Beatitude, and then secondly, something for us to do. So last week, we heard Jesus go up north. He goes up into the land of gloom. This week, he starts giving his, his first sermon. We're going to hear the Sermon on the Mount over the next, I think, five or six weeks. And the very first thing Jesus does in the Sermon on the Mount, the very first words in his first homily, if you will, his first sermon, is he gives the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes, what Beatitudes means, it means happiness. Not a fleeting happiness, but here's, here's a ways to live extreme happiness or lasting, lasting happiness. And of the eight Beatitudes, specifically the first Beatitude, 
If we don't get the first beatitude right, we're not going to get the rest of the beatitudes. We're not going to get the rest of the Sermon on the Mount. And really, we don't get the rest of Christianity. We don't get that first beatitude, which is blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. If you're anything like me, at least growing up here in the Beatitudes, and to be honest, even still as I first read these Beatitudes and I read them, I'm like, they're just so weird, bizarre, paradoxical. Blessed are the poor in spirit. What does that even mean? And then what could impact does it really have on my life? Maybe to, to tackle that, is there's, um, there's a journalist who was just starting off working for a newspaper, and he's in London, and he got called from his boss of the newspaper to to fly to Calcutta, India to interview Mother Teresa. I think it was right before she was gonna win her Nobel Peace Prize. And as this young interviewer is, is sitting down with Mother Teresa and he's saying, Mother, like you, there's nobody who's, who's, who's dealt and has been with the poor and the level of poverty that you have here in Calcutta, India and your sisters. And she stops him and, and says to the interviewer, she stops him and says, the spiritual poverty of the Western world is much greater than the physical poverty of our people. You in the West, she says, have millions of people who suffer such terrible loneliness and emptiness. They feel unloved and unwanted. These people are not hungry in the physical sense, but they are in another way. They know they need something more than money, yet they don't know what it is. What they are missing really is a living relationship with God, she says. The poor can teach us contentment, mother goes on to say. They can teach us happiness. That is something you don't have much of in the West. See, that's, that's the core of blessed are the poor in spirit. The poor in spirit, they have a deep sense of their neediness of God. They have a deep sense of their dependency upon him. And in their neediness and in their dependency, they cry out to him in help. They know they need God to breathe. That's, that's poor in spirit. And we in the West, I think maybe more so than any other place in the world in the West, we have a very difficult time of, being, of having a sense of our poverty of spirit, poverty of soul a sense of neediness and dependency upon God. Because we like control. We like to play God. We like to boast before God. You know, there was reading just the other, the other morning an article of, uh, there's a, a 45 year old now who's paying, he's paying 30 doctors each $2 million a year to reverse and stop his aging process. His goal is to, as he says, is to, is to have the mind and the body of an 18-year-old. That's the opposite of, of, of poverty of spirit. It's the, it's the opposite of having a neediness and dependence upon God. And, and the, secular, the secular humanists today, they seek to create a perfect humanity that pushes human weakness and limitations aside. And, and it's, it's just important for us to realize and to know that it's easier for us to do that than it is for somebody who's, who's dying in the streets in the slums of Calcutta, India. They're much more disposed of being poor in spirit. 
of having a, having a, a deep dependence and neediness of God for everything. But we might say, like, well, certainly that guy's crazy. Like, he's lost it. Like, I, I would, you know, I would never do that. That seems, that's extreme. But is there something in your heart, even this morning, something in your heart that's been in your heart that you really want, that maybe you're clinging to, that you want, like a big dream that you have for your life, a dream that you have for your career that you want, a, a dream that you have for your family, that even maybe they're not bad things, they're good things, but you're so attached to it that you're not open to the responsibility that God might not want it for you. God's inviting us to, to, to this poverty of spirit, of this neediness and dependency upon him. And maybe lastly to close here for something for us to do, you know, there was, it was earlier this week I went to, to give last rites to a woman who's dying and she's 98 years old and she was still able to speak a little bit. And I, as soon as I sat down to give her the last rites, she said seemingly out of nowhere, she says, Father Mark, I, I wrestle with God. I'm always wrestling with God, she said. And I kind of, I, I look at her kind of just like, what, what do you mean? What are you saying? And she says, 98 year old says, my, she says, I love control. I love to be in control. My ways I think are better. And she says, therefore I've been wrestling with God my entire life. And she had me turn around and look at this little plaque that was behind me that she always sees that she's staring at on, on, in a ro rocking chair. And it was Proverbs chapter three, verse five, that says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean, do not rely on your own understanding, but acknowledge him, wrestle with him. Because wrestling with God, we come to our limitations when we wrestle with him. We come to, to, our, we come to know our weaknesses when we wrestle with God. There's a great story in the Old Testament that a lot of us don't hear or maybe remember because we don't hear it on the Sundays in our lectionary in the three-year cycle, but it's the story of Jacob wrestling with God. Jacob was a proudful man. He was arrogant. Jacob literally means supplanter. He, he connived and he got the things that he wanted and he did get the things that he wanted. He got the inheritance, he got the money, he got the girl. And because of that, he was an arrogant and proudful man until the day that finally he wrestled with God. And when he wrestled with God, what happened was God touched his hip and his hip came out of socket. And the Bible says from that day on, Jacob walked with a limb. From that day on, Jacob knew his weakness. From that day on, Jacob was in a better spot to know his poverty of spirit, to cry out to the Lord for help. And so maybe the question for us today is this. How is your wrestling with God going? How's my wrestling with God going? Maybe a better question is, when was the last time you, you wrestled with him? Like really wrestled with God? Maybe it's the things, maybe it's the plans of which that we have in our lives or things that happen that, that, that cause pain, that cause hurt, that we look back and say, I, it doesn't make sense. I wish it, it, it didn't happen. To wrestle with God. And as we wrestle with him, we know our weakness. We know our place. We might even take on a limp. And with that, 
we will be blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit.